importance of sin. Because we get to, we, we've had the update of David's life, and we've seen the heart that exposed good and the heart that's exposed not so good. But this is an awesome portion of Scripture because as much as we see how ten, sin entices us, and enticement, it turns into works that create a bad crop that creates sin, which is what got David into this spot with Bathsheba, but we also see that the Lord planted an opportunity and a way back for us um, to come back into restoration. How many's ever had something restored to you that you lost? I remember when I was about eight years old, I didn't have any sisters, but I had Barbie dolls. And my grandmother was kind of probably a compulsive person now that I think of it because she never did anything halfway. She was a career woman. She was in a manager of a huge department store, the children's department. And I have pictures of her back in the 20s wearing pants. So my grandmother was a very forward type of woman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so she decided I was going to have Barbie dolls, but she didn't do it halfway. She would make like every outfit for every season like if I was going to have uh, if it was summertime she'd make all the bridesmaids dresses it was over the hill it would take me so long to clean up I almost lost all the fun but anyway I had these Barbie doll clothes and because we lived in a very small town there weren't any girls on my street I had brothers I wasn't allowed to play baseball because I was a girl and so I'd play with these Barbie dolls well one day I had a friend come over and then all my favorite Barbie doll clothes were gone. It was terrible. They were all gone. They just disappeared. And I thought, first I felt so sad that my friend would take them. And I just missed them. Anyway, so my mom said, well, you better go pray. You need to just go pray about that. And so I said, okay. And I remember going in my room and saying, dear Jesus, please have my friend bring my Barbie doll clothes back. And about three days later, I go look in the mailbox and there's all my Barbie doll clothes. They had all been restored to me, and I remember feeling like I was so happy. Because restoration, as silly as that story is, when I was eight, that was a big deal. You know, God saw. He heard my prayers. But restoration is amazing. I love the story of Marjorie, whose husband, she prayed for over 50 years to receive Jesus Christ. And just a few weeks ago, Pastor went over to visit him, and he received Christ, and and Rick said, you know what, it was not just a, you know, I'm just doing this because my wife brought the past over. He said he totally had a born-again experience. Isn't that awesome? That I know. It's so awesome. God answers prayer. And so it says in the scripture, though the sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. You know, that joy that comes, you know, all of us that have travailed and had babies and you go through the pain and, you know, in my day, we didn't have epidurals. We just had pain. And um, I, I remember, you know, when the girls got pregnant, I say, the first thing you do when you go to the hospital, you just say, give me an epidural. Don't try to be a hero. <laughs> and then you travail and you have that beautiful baby. Oh. <gasps> 
Oh, the joy is so amazing. So that's kind of where we're coming from today, is we're coming from this point where David's really messed up. He is just, he bumbled it big time. You know that saying, the higher you are, the further you fall? I mean, David didn't just do this in his private life. This was seen publicly. This was a sin that was noted through the whole land. And in fact, David had to bring in his people that were under him to help him pull off the shenanigan because once the sin started he had to continue to sin he had to continue to uh, perpetuate covering up the sin in order to save himself and all he was doing was as Rosie so beautifully illustrated he was just drifting further and further away so let's pick this up here in Psalms 51 and I'm just going to give you quickly what I see is the progression. You can fill in the blanks, and then we're going to go ahead and go back over each one. So the first one is the process. The process. There's, there's P's here this morning. I was thinking along P lines when we did it. The process. I'm a sinner. That's the process. David had to come to the point. I'm a sinner. Then from there, he had to come to the petition. So the process was he had to come to a point where he stopped and he said, I'm a sinner. I, I, have, I, I need to, to process this. And then he brought the petition, I need forgiveness. So the process, the petition, and then thirdly, the plea. The plea for holiness. David recognized he need to be washed. All of his sins need to be washed away. The creative part of the redemption is this. It always leads to renewal. When we ask God to create something new, it always leads to renewal. And renewal always leads to restoration. So we have the process, the petition, the plea, the plea to create leads to renewal and renewal to restoration. And that's what I see when I, when I was studying this portion of Scripture. That's kind of what, how I saw it laid out before me. So if we look at Psalms 51, verses 1 through 4, let's take our Bibles out. And we're just going to go through this portion of Scripture together. And Lord, open our hearts and our minds this morning to receive the truth you have for each of us. Lord, we know that there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful that you never go, let us go too far, Father. That you never let us go too far. That you always keep tabs on us. And you allow us to feel that distance so that we'll draw closer to you. And we're thankful that there is a way back. And we're thankful because restoration is oh so sweet. Now we see the story of David. And David, you know, what he had was his heart for God. And I, wanna, I want you to write this about David on the top of your paper. David was pliable. David was pliable. And that's why God could use David is because he was pliable. 
You know, God can deal with pliable people. It's when we get hard-nosed and we get hardcore against God that he can't, he can't work with us because he's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I, again, I'm referring to toys today. I don't know why, but Gumby dolls. How many remember Gumby? Somebody even sang the theme song last night. You know, and I don't know about you, but, man, we could make that Gumby doll. We could just put them. I remember my brother had a horse or something. We used to stretch that legs around the horse and make the poor Gumby doll, you know. And, um, you know, that's that picture of pliability, though. You see, because God wants to make us in his image, and in order to make us in his image, we have to be pliable. Because if he's not shaping us, something else is is right if we're not being shaped by God something else is shaping us and I'll tell you if you have young girls in your home and they're at that young age where they're starting to be influenced by how others view them and it starts very young in our society you need to make sure that what's shaping them is the word of God because if you're not the world will shape them And they'll be looking at a distorted window, a distorted mirror, a distorted reflection. So we need to have pliable hearts before God. When David was wrong, he went right to the Lord as soon as he came to his senses, and he straightened up. Now we see here that David commits adultery. He multiplies his sin by sending her husband out. And actually Uriah had more character than the king. And then Nathan the prophet. Now, Nathan means a gift from God. Prophets are gifts from God. And we need to listen to our leadership. And we need to listen to the people that God places over the body of Christ. Because they, they give us insight from God. And we need to be open to, the, to those kinds of words. So here comes Nathan, and I just summed it up like this. He says, hey, David. There's a man in your kingdom, and he's really, really wealthy. And he owns all of this cattle. He has sheep. He has lands. He has servants. And one night he was having dinner for somebody, and his neighbor was poor. And his neighbor only had one lamb. And he loved that lamb so much, he even let the lamb eat at the table. And that rich neighbor wanted that lamb, so he sent his servants over there and forced that poor man to give him that lamb. And they brought it home, and they slaughtered it, and he fed it to his company. David was outraged. He's like, what? Are you kidding me? Tell me now who it is. And Nathan pointed his finger at him, and he said, David, that man is yours. That's you. You're that man. You stole that sheep. Now, I love this picture of the boat being drifted way out today because that's where David was. And he got a wake-up call because he sat on the bow of his boat, and Nathan showed up. And Nathan said, hey, dude, you better get your life straightened out or your ship's going to sink real quick. A wake-up call. And that's, you know, that there is a security in being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because he will not let us go. He will pursue us. He says, I go after the one. I'll leave the 99 and go after the one. Aren't you glad for a God who pursues? So that's kind of where we pick this up. And uh, David deserves justice, but he receives mercy. That's what I love about this story. 
And that's why we want to pick it up here in Psalms 51, verse 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, say, and your judgment against me is just. This process as a sinner, it always starts with repentance. The way back always starts with repentance. Repentance is turning around 100%. It's saying, I'm stopping in my tracks, and I am going to completely turn around from the path I'm going to, and I am going to make my way back to the Lord. It's stop sinning. Just stop sinning. Now, you know... the thing that happens, this is kind of a, a story that we look at it and we go, wow, David got up one morning and David saw a woman that was beautiful. No. Last week, Marty talked about how David did not listen to God's commandment in Deuteronomy. And he said to the kings, do not take more than one wife. So we see that this process of David delving into sin was just a much of a process of him coming into restoration. Because it started with him disobeying God's word way back at the beginning of his kingdom. He shouldn't have taken more than one wife. Why anybody would want more than one wife, I do not know. I mean, my husband said to me the other day, we were driving somewhere. He goes, you are so much work. And I go, I know. (laughs) With a big smile. Yes, I am. Um, But, you know, so, but see, David, he wasn't just interested in accumulating women. He had a lust issue. You know, and a lot of times we think the sin is the result of just one action, but it's usually the result of deep-seated stuff that we need to allow the Lord to get to. And that's why David, he was so pliable. I remember one time uh, one of our kids, not in this room, um, (laughs) would just lie about everything. I mean, it would be like, oh, it's such a beautiful day out. No, it's not. It's raining. It's not raining out. I mean, it was like it gotten so ridiculous, and I was just going crazy. I couldn't, I, I mean, it was like, it was, and it was like, how much can you discipline a child before, you know, you're sent to social services? <laughs> and <laughs> so I was praying, and I was, had gone to a, a homeschooling uh, teacher's workshop, and the teacher talked about call your kids out for their sin, And she says, you know, if your kid, let's say, and she just said, if your kid has a problem with lying, don't tell him, did you tell a lie? If you know they told a lie, just say, you told a lie. And if they say, no, I didn't, say, yes, you did. And they say, but I didn't, you don't trust me. Say, no, because you lie so much, I can't trust you. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'll try that. And this is what she said. She said, because there's always a root for the lying. And the Lord spoke to me in prayer, said the root for that child's lying is pride. It's all about pride. They don't want to be wrong. They don't want to need anybody to help them. They want to do it on, their so- on themselves. And so sure enough, I prayed about it. Rick and I prayed about it. The next time the kid told a whopper of a lie, I said, you're lying to me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're lying to me. So we're not going to even discuss it because you told me a lie and these are the consequences. 
we sat down, we talked about the root of it, and when we dealt with the root of it, it dissolved the problem. See, the process of coming in repentance is saying, not just assuming, okay, Lord, I sinned, I committed adultery. No, it's, Lord, I repent, and I ask you to go into my heart and find out why. Tell me why. Show me why. Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep having this issue in my life? And the Holy Spirit will come and he'll show you. That's what this is all about. All of the safety and being able to share. This is what's going in my life. I keep having this issue. I keep having financial issues. I keep having losing jobs. Okay, let's, let's seek the Lord. Find out what the issue is. Let's go deep. Allow the Lord to go deep. Let's turn over to 1 John 1, 9. I'm going to give you some scriptures today that I hope you mark up in your Bible. 1 John 1, 9. So the process is admitting I'm a sinner. It always starts with repentance. And I want us to read 1 John 1, 9 together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Now, the word righteous means right standing. So you could say it's to cleanse us from all unright standing. When saying I'm in right standing, I'm righteous before God, I'm saying I am in right standing before God. So when we confess our sins, David knew when he confessed his sins God was going to be faithful and just to forgive him of his sins and to cleanse him from all unrighteousness. Now, I use the word process here because process is what God uses to shape our heart. The process. You know, don't we just want it to all be done all at once? See, David would have liked, okay, Lord, I repent of this sin and everything will be honky-dory. And it wasn't. David faced consequences. Now, the Lord is so gracious to divert our, our consequences and so often to just completely neutralize them. Aren't you glad? I mean, wouldn't we be a wreck without his cleansing work and that mercy that he gives us we don't deserve it so we see here now David asks for forgiveness in verse number seven he says purify me from my sins and I will be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow I love that I I love it when I'll get a chance to pray with somebody that comes to Christ and then a process over the next few weeks you see them and their faces change and you know, the, 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 you just see the joy of being free, the weightiness of their circumstances and lifestyle so often. It's just lifted because there's not that entanglement. See, petition always ends with his forgiveness. The petition always ends with his per- forgiveness. Turn over to Isaiah 118. Now, We've talked about this off. Whenever I talk about forgiveness, I try to bring in this cultural understanding from the Jewish culture. Their forgiveness is two parts. Their forgiveness is, I'm sorry, and part B is, I forgive you. It's real important when you're raising kids, you have both parts. Because a lot of times what will happen is 
a person will learn to develop bitterness at a very young age if they're not taught to say, I forgive you. And so when, you know, when somebody says, I'm sorry, this part B needs to complete the full circle of forgiveness, and that's what happens. When we come to Jesus with our sin and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, he says, I forgive you. See, it's a complete circle. Remember, though, reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. So I can forgive somebody, and they can even say I'm sorry, but there may not be safety in reconciling. Okay, I always want to just put that little addendum in there. Isaiah 118. Come now. Let's read this together. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as white as wool. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That forgiveness that comes. So then David says, he steps into this and he says, I need holiness. He says to the Lord, create in me a clean heart. Now, the word create in the Hebrew is a word, it's barak, and it means to take something from nothing. If you go over to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then go over to Genesis one twenty-seven. The word means literally, out of nothing, God takes and makes something. And if you look there in Genesis 1, it says the earth was without form or void. It had nothing. It was just a glob of whatever nothingness. And it says that God spoke into that and said, I create this. And I know that throughout scriptures, there's a lot of examples of God taking our mess and making something beautiful out of our mess. He'll give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for spirit of heaviness, kind of out of the ashes. And that's a good reality too. But this, David asked this of the Lord, using this word understanding, creating something out of nothing, shaping and reflection. This word is always in reference to God creating something. It says in verse number 27, of Genesis chapter 1. It talks about God creating humans and mankind. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's the same word. It's that taking. You ever have a mess? You just say, Lord, I just think it's second-class citizens to say, make something good out of my mess. I just want, Lord, just clean it all. Make, give me something brand new. You know, I just need something brand new out of this. And that's what David was saying. Lord, I've made such a big mess out of this. I need you to create something new. Psalms 104, verse 30. When you give them your breath, life is created and you renew the face of the earth. Holiness means to be set apart, to be completely set apart, altogether different, altogether set apart. And David was saying, I need to be white as snow. I need a fresh start. I need to be set apart. I want to be holy. You see, the word holy, to live holy, means to have the right not to sin. To be holy is to have the right to live set apart. It's the freedom not to sin. It's the freedom not to stay in the same 
pattern of sin. You know, we can get in patterns of sin. How we respond in our home when we're not, you know, happy with our circumstances or how we respond at work and we get into these patterns. We have our little safety nets and our little, you know, things that we lean on. Isolating was one that Rosie brought up, you know. When I don't like things, I'll just isolate myself from the family. You know, I'll just withhold affection from that child that's rebellious or I'll just withhold affection from my spouse. These are things that are displeasing to God, and they create these patterns. They get into cycles, and the cycles keep us in an unbroken pattern. And until we're willing to allow the the Lord to have the process when we're pliable and come to that point of allowing him to go deep, expose it, and create something new, we don't get to experience this holiness. Holiness always leads to renewal. When we allow him to create something new in us, something set apart by God, it always leads to renewal. And renewal always leads to restoration. Let's look here at verse number 12. David says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. He's saying, Lord, all out. I lay it all out. I've decided to follow Jesus. Take me as I am and make me obey you. Make me. That's giving God full permission. Come on in. Take the keys to the car. Here's the keys to my house. Here's the keys to all my entertainment center and my iPod, everything. Take it all. Make me obey you. It's almost like a dare. I dare you to make me obey you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing it on. I'm bringing it on. You will obey me. (laughs) Turn over to Isaiah 12, 3. Isaiah 12:3 We're going to actually read the whole chapter Isaiah 12, one of my favorite chapters. And this is talking about when Israel's brought back and re- restored. This is the beauty of restore restoration. In that day you will sing, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing, thank the Lord, praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise among the world, around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout the praise of joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Restore to me, Lord, that joy. In that day, it says, we will drink with joy deeply. And then let's go to Isaiah 61.10.
I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothe of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. Lord, we're so thankful for restoration. We're so thankful that you paid the price. When you were on the cross and you said, it is finished, the work was done. And Lord, you have given us the keys to the kingdom as you gave them to David. You gave David keys to the kingdom, Lord. And you've given us spiritual authority and keys to the kingdom so that our world can be a world of joy. Our world can be a world of forgiveness and a place of repentance and restoration and renewal. Your word says they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So, Lord, I speak renewed strength this morning over every one of my sisters in Christ. I speak renewed hope in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we allow you, we ask you to come in and make us obey you. Lord, we just put the challenge out before you. Lord, where there's been cycles of disobedience and lifestyles that continue to go on, a, on just this spiral of disobedience and rebellion and failure, Lord, we speak life and hope. Go deep into the places of our heart and make us victorious. It says in your word that through our God, we will do mighty things. So, Lord, we expect great things because you are a God of restoration. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want you to, at your tables, I want you to talk about this issue this morning. And what I'd like you to do is I would like you to take a few moments to just discuss a time in your life where you were drifting and the Lord got your attention. And what was that process like? Now, I know some of your tables are really full, so not... Let's keep it real minimum, or maybe, you know, there's a few that can share. But um, go ahead and take a few minutes for that. And then pray for one another this morning. Really pray and ask the Lord. Lord, go deep. Allow him to go deep, okay? And uh, then Rosie will come up, and we have some announcements coming up. So um, let's take a few minutes to just spend some time with the Lord together. <laughs> 